exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, this is the Cumberland Road. I'm your host, T.J. Melanoski. Today, Reverend Dr. Susan Parker joins us on Cumberland Road. Susan is an ordained Cumberland Presbyterian minister since 2014. She's a graduate of the program of Alternate Studies. And since graduation, Susan has been serving as an interim and supply pastor in various Cumberland Presbyterian and Presbyterian USA congregations in the northern Alabama area. In 2018 and 2019, Susan offered her services in her ministry and served as interim president at Memphis Theological Seminary. Prior to her ministry, she served in two statewide elected positions in Alabama. She served as Alabama Public Service Commission and State Auditor of Alabama, and she spent most of her career in higher education, working 17 years at Calhoun Community College in Decatur and eight years at Athens State University in Athens, Alabama. She retired in 1996 as Chief Development Officer at Athens State. She and Paul, her husband, are living in Rogersville, Alabama. Susan, thank you for joining today. Thank you for having me, TJ. I'd like to start our conversation with a question about journey and experiences. I find a great place to start is by asking, can you recall your earliest experience with God? Yes, I can. I grew up in a rural uh, United Methodist Church in Eva, Alabama. I always say population 365. And um, I spent the first 19 years of my life in that church. And I was about seven. And I asked my daddy, and I think I might have been mad when I asked him this. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I said, why did God put me with you and my mother? Why do I have you and my mother as my parents? Why not? somebody else. And so that prompted my dad to invite the pastor over, um, Reverend Coleman, Bob Coleman, to our house for dinner. I didn't know this was a big deal. <laughs> and uh, so Reverend Coleman came over and I told him about that I had these thoughts. And uh, then we talked about God. I told him that I wanted to accept Jesus as my savior. And so the next Sunday, I went down front, as we say, accepted Christ and uh, became a member of Eva United Methodist Church. Now, there's one really unique, other unique thing about this. And that is that my mother, who was a Baptist, was not quite sure about this sprinkling business. <laughs> so my mother asked Reverend Coleman if we could go down to the creek and I could be immersed. And Reverend Coleman said, sure. So we went down to the creek and I was immersed. Now the uh, further tale of that is that later on, I joined a Baptist church. And of course they said, well, you'll need to be baptized. And I said, I've already been baptized. Well, yes, we know, but in the Methodist church, you know, that sprinkling business, that doesn't count. So you'll need to be immersed. I said, I've already been immersed. 
And so they heard my story and they said, okay, it's good enough for us. Wow. Okay. So I'm probably one of the few people that belong to two different Baptist churches, one being First Baptist Hartsville, Alabama, uh, and not having been baptized in the baptistry at the Baptist Church. Where are some of the places God has taken you in this relationship? I was very, always been very involved in the church. I started playing the piano at the church when I was seven. I could only play one song, Jesus is Calling, He of C. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, it's an invitation on Him. <laughs> and so we would sing it a couple of times. It's the only one I could play. Uh, there were only, you know, 30 members in this the church. So anyway, I played piano there for 12 years as I grew and took lessons. We could, we could play a few more songs. And somewhere along about 12 or 13, I decided I was going to be a missionary. Um, I, you know, the missionary had been to church and had shown those slides, uh, that old slide projector of his work in uh, China, I guess. I don't even remember. And so I was going to be a missionary. I was going to go to Africa and be a missionary. And so I carried that around for 12 around 12, 13, 14. And at 14 years of age, I got engaged. And then I got married at 17. And uh, that sort of took away <laughs> temporarily <laughs> my call to full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. And um, because I had to work at a, at a job. I went to work at 16 at uh, Calhoun Community College as a secretary. So, um, but I still always uh, attended church. I, uh, that was a big mistake to get married at 17 and engaged at 14. And that didn't work out too well. I was divorced at seven years later. As a matter of fact, he didn't go to church. And so that's how I became a Baptist. He said, I don't like that church. I'll go to the, this Baptist church where his family went, if you will go there. So I did. I started going to the Baptist church, joined the Baptist church, played piano there, taught Sunday school. And, but he never went. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we kind of on different faith journeys. But I uh, have always um, never had a time really in my life that I was absent from church. Not that I haven't had times in my life when I felt less close to God. I think we all on our journeys have times when, um, when we're growing, questioning, doubting. Um, asking, is this real? Is this really real? Mm -hmm. um, I always, in my journey, have come back to, even when my views, my faith was challenged in some areas, I've always come back to Jesus. If I uh, am not sure about what happened with the Israelites and their exodus, or I'm not sure about you know, Ezekiel or, I don't know, any, any story in the Bible, uh, Jonah or uh, Job or any of that. If I, if I question all of that or I'm wondering about things, I just always come back to the one thing I, I believe. And I feel like I know it, but, I, you know, it's hard to say I know because how do you know? Because faith is on things that are unseen. Mm -hmm. what faith is hope and belief in something that is unseen. But I know the life of Jesus Christ is a life I want to emulate. And even, I do believe in virgin birth and the resurrection, but even if I didn't, even times when I've questioned that, 
I still come back to Christ, hmm. the Beatitudes, the, the life of Christ, the serve your, love your neighbor, love your enemies, love your neighbor as yourself. So I guess that's the core, the crux of what I believe and what I've always held on to, even during rocky times. How is that faith in, in Jesus Christ given you purpose in your daily life? Like, what does that look like? What that looks like, and this is what I, I try to preach. I, you know, I read that um, somewhere we only have one sermon and we preach it every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. <laughs> you know, but there's only one sermon in us. There's only one message that I really uh, carry. And that is looking in the uh, Gospels uh, at the life that Christ lived, how he treated his fellow man, how mm. he told us to uh, expand, uh, you know, in his world, uh, it had just been about Jews and um, how he really broke all that apart and said, no, what you thought in the past is not what you need to think in the future. We, we're breaking this open. And it, to me, it's like, like a superhero, you know, Mighty Mouse or Mickey Mouse breaking through that, that, um, screen or Superman uh, saying, look, look outside this little Pharisee, Sadducee world. Look outside these rules and breaking those rules to exhibit the love of God. We, we broke the rules of touching. He broke the rules of touching this woman with a flow of blood or, or encountering her are the Samaritan woman at the well, a woman period. And as a, a woman of a certain age, having encountered um, discrimination and, and not acceptance of my desire to be a, a leader in the church, uh, I just always could, could rely on Jesus to, mm. to show that. And so that's what it looks like to me in my everyday world is I need to break open that, to, to look past my tribe, to look past people that are like me, uh, people who might be dirty, people who might be not speak my language, people who, who might be homeless, people who disagree with me, people who um, hate their beliefs. I hate, I, I mean, I can't help, I just hate their, if it's racism or it's, um, you know, some, their anger toward God or, or whatever. I may hate that behavior, but that I've got to love this person and I got to really hold them in my heart. And it's hard. This is hard stuff uh, yes. to really hold them in my heart and say, I love you. I love you as a, as a brother, as a sister, as a, as Christ loves you, even though I don't like what comes out of your mouth or how you act or, you know, what you look like. So that's how it, it works out for me in my daily life. And that's how, that's what I preach about. And I just try to think this is living out the Beatitudes. This is living out the great commandment. This is living out the life of Christ. Speaking of people and uh, inside our tribe, outside our tribe, Susan, who has had the greatest impact on your faith journey? I think my husband. 
Paul, um, when we married, we've been married almost 40 years, and we prayed together always, every day. He prays for mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. And I guess I kind of grew up maybe thinking I didn't need a whole lot of mercy, you know, because I was a Christian. And goodness, no, I'm nearly perfect, you know. And uh, <laughs> why would I need mercy? And, and really, I, um, I look at him and I think, why do you need mercy? You know, so much that every day he play, pray for mercy. And uh, the more I've lived and the harder this life is to live in these days and this time, I, I've just held on to that. I need mercy, really, really need mercy and forgiveness and that, that love of Christ, you know, dying on the cross and giving me that mercy is such a gift. Um, so I think my, our journey together and um, being together for a long time in his faith has really been a good example to me. Susan, we were talking earlier about um, some ministries that you are a part of before we started recording. You know, all of our journeys has us traversing and traveling in some form of ministry or another. What, what is happening in your life and in your ministry right now? Uh, right now, I am uh, serving as um, State of Supply uh, as part-time pastor for Trinity Presbyterian USA in Huntsville. And we are uh, having services again. Before COVID, I served at uh, Maud and Mount Hester Cumberland Presbyterian Church churches. They meet together uh, once a month. So I've, I've been doing that for six years. And I might say, um, just going back just a bit on my journey, is that after I wasn't going to be a missionary, I still always felt like, um, you know, I wanted to be a missionary. I guess I wanted to be a minister. And I remember um, I've always done a lot of public speaking. And I was a recruiter for Callum Community College. And um, then I was involved in fundraising. So I was always doing public speaking. And I would always catch myself to not put too much God into my thinking. And in a political arena, too. Um, you know, one thing in the polit political arena, I didn't want to use God. I didn't want to talk about God to get people to vote for me. I, I felt very strongly uh, that, you know, if I live God in my life, they'll, they'll see that and they'll know that in my service. But to use God to get somebody to vote for me just always really uh, was something I wanted to avoid. So I was always careful about that. And so after I finished all of that, Paul and I were praying about what we might do. He actually said, you need something to do, Susan. Um, you're not in politics anymore. You've retired from education. You need something to do to get you out of my hair. <laughs> and um, he just knows me. You know, and so we prayed, and the next day, um, we were attending Rochester Cumberland Presbyterian Church. The next day, they called me from the church and wanted me to serve as an elder. And so I did that, and um, then I started, people asked me to fill in the pulpit. Um, Pat Driscoll, our pastor there, asked me, and then other people asked me. And so I started thinking, wow, you know, I could be, I think this is what God is calling me to do. 
And then I thought about seminary and I explored that idea a little bit and I just couldn't even ask Paul. I didn't even tell him that I was thinking these things because I couldn't ask him to go to Memphis and to go through seminary with me when he'd been through moving to Montgomery, you know, a couple of times and I just couldn't ask him to do that. So I didn't say anything. And then I was on the committee on ministry, which I had no idea what that even was. And so at the committee on ministry meeting, they were talking about pops and I didn't know what they were talking about. So I didn't say anything because I didn't want to look like an idiot. So on the way home, Pat Driscoll and I had written together. And I said, Brother Pat, where's pause? And he told me, well, it's a program of alternate studies and it's an alternative way to the ordained. So that night I came home and told Paul, I'm going to be a, a preacher. And he said, I don't think I signed on for this. Now I told you find something to do, but I didn't mean that. So the next week, Paul and Pat and I went to Memphis and we met with Barry Anderson and we met with Michael Qualls and I went with the program of alternate studies. He served me very well. And so that's why in 2014, I made this part of the journey. And so that has led me to the seminary, which of course I never imagined in a million years. You know, I was on the board at the seminary and on a call, Jay Earhart Brown uh, said that he was resigning and uh, he recommended me um, and a couple other people to be considered as interims. And of course I was just flabbergasted, but I said, I'd, you know, be considered. And uh, it was a joy of our lives uh, to be there. It was just absolutely. I, I knew, you know, sometimes, you know, God puts you somewhere. I knew that I was there and so many miracles happened that I couldn't deny that God is in this in a big, big way. So um, we had that joyous occasion, and then I was really ready for a rest. And so <laughs> COVID, there, then along came COVID, and boy, did we get a rest, right? <laughs> uh, so after that resting, I'm, I'm glad to be back preaching, which mm -hmm. is what I feel is now my journey. And also um, teaching. I, I think that I, uh, I, I want to do some teaching. I'm, I'm leading a group of women clergy uh, now for the seminary. And uh, I, I want to, and I, I teach in the pause program. And uh, this year I taught finance uh, and ministry, which is what I, I feel called to do now to help people, uh, help pastors talk about raising money for the church uh, and also individuals to be um, good stewards of what they're given and to, um, to be able to manage their situations better. Yeah, that is definitely a slice of the pie in terms of ministry, uh, ministry to the word sacrament that we can boost up to help encourage and educate people preparing for ministry and then clergy already in ministry, providing resources and guidance and encouragement to to make financial decisions and, and how to do that and and learn really a, an entire different language, a different lingo. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Susan, you were talking about how God has been moving in your life, this movement into ministry, and then an interim at Memphis Theological Seminary, and now a time of rest. Where do you see God working in the world today? That's a good question. Sometimes it seems hard to see right now. When I look at the world as a big picture, particularly, I, I want to say, that when I look at the United States of America as the big picture, I see uh, so much division 
and uh, divisiveness and anger and fear. And that trickles down in the church, that, that's evident in the church as well, uh, Church Universal and the Cumberland Presbyterian Church sometimes. But on the other hand, I, I've stopped doing that. I don't, I try not to look at it that way because I just can't. So what I try to look at through the, the world and the lens of the church is through the individuals and the circumstances that I come in contact with. And I see in um, the churches at, at work, um, beloved, when people reach out to people who are suffering from COVID, uh, when they send cards or calls or um, even what's COVID or not, uh, recently at a church, a man who's taking care of his wife uh, asked for prayers. He, she has Parkinson's and is very disabled and he asked for recipes. Uh, he said, just give me some ideas that I can follow a recipe and I can cook, but I don't, I've never done it before. So I don't know, you know, keep it simple. And then people just started flooding him with food. And uh, he got a few recipes too, I think. But those kinds of things. And um, this week, you know, a woman who hadn't been to church in over a year at uh, Trinity uh, because her husband has cancer and she's suffering from a blood disorder. She was able to come back and she gave this beautiful testimony about how people at the church reaching out to her had sustained her through this time. Wow. Wow. So, I just try to focus on those kind of things. And I believe that those are alive and well in the church in spite of the craziness of the world. And I just have to hold on to those and focus on those because if I didn't, I think I would just, I think I'd go crazy. I mean, I, a lot of people, most of my friends don't even watch the news anymore. My husband is a news addict, so it's hard to keep from watching it. Or hearing it, you know, I watched it like five minutes or something and just go, oh, I can't stand it, can't stand it. But also, another thing that I hold on to is the uh, spirit of the young people. I am very encouraged when I see peaceful people on the streets or in churches or anywhere in a peaceful way. I'm very encouraged by their message of justice and love for all. And so I hold on to that too, as a good, uh, good news for the road ahead. Mm -hmm. Good news for uh, our country ahead. You know, I really, I'm an optimist and I really do believe we'll get through, we'll get through this and somehow uh, I believe it may be a while, maybe this generation coming along, but we will heal. We will move forward. Uh, I don't know, as far as the church goes, and particularly Cumberland Presbyterian Church, I am very concerned about our existence in the future because we have so many, many small churches that are dying, I mean, literally. You know, and uh, once this generation dies out, there are not young people behind them in that particular building, in that place. But I think that the church will look a lot different. I think if Cumberland Presbyterians will um, welcome and be open to online and, and different ways of worshiping, uh, we can, there will be a way forward. And I love our theology. You know, I've been Methodist, Baptist, 
I've only been a Cumberland Presbyterian since 1996, but I love our theology, and I think it's, it's, it has the ability to be uh, flexible. And uh, I just think in this, this era, uh, we cannot, I mean, whatever has been, like we always did it in the past, is not going to be there for, you know, past this generation. That's my point on this earth. But I do believe that we can go forward if we will be open and embracing to new and different ways of, of worship. I think young people love God. They, they want to serve, but they really want to serve. They want to be of service. They want to do. Um, you know, when I was growing up, you just, you, if you went to church, that was doing. Went to church on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and that was your doing. That was your work. That's not what they want to do. They want to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and visit those in prison. They want to do what Christ did. And I just think that is uh, it's very uh, rewarding and very um, gives me a good, a good feeling about the future when I think about it, you know, when I think about them. Mm-hmm. Now, if we don't embrace and we don't, then church after church after church will die out and it won't be replaced by something else. The perception of service can look very different in terms of I've served God by attending these different services or studies and that that's my form of service or part of my service. And then you have a whole nother age bracket of seeing service, as you had mentioned and called it earlier, in terms of doing. I can see my service towards God by uh, serving my neighbor or an enemy or a colleague or a friend and so it just looks different in terms of what sir an understanding of what service can can mean for a different generation that's how i perceive it well in terms of service and faith journey and your service to the cumberland presbyterian church where can we continue to uh, follow your journey well, um, right now, pretty much Facebook is um, what I'm doing and for preaching at uh, Trinity. Right now, I'm hoping that Mount Hester and Maud will be able to come back before too long. Uh, but you're always welcome uh, to check out uh, where I'm preaching and um, come there. You want me to come preach at your church or uh, any other situation, a seminar, uh, Zoom, which is what we're doing now these <laughs> days. I'm, I'm happy to do that. And also, I'm hoping, still searching for direction on the uh, having a podcast about financial things. And anybody can message me on uh, Facebook or my email is park, P-A-R-K, 9301 at bellsouth.net. Well, thank you, Susan, for your time and, and sharing God working in your life. And thank you for joining us. Tell a friend and travel with us on our next journey down Cumberland Road.